Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the Universal Studios to my movie monsters, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing, buddy? Hello, hello. I'm doing better than last time. Oh, my God. We got a lot of good feedback about last week's episode, but I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. When I get tired, I get a little rambly, and when you get tired, you get a little silent, and the combo is not good because you didn't stop me. (laughs) I was exhausted last time. Didn't I just get off a plane? Yeah, I just got off a plane. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I had landed. I, I got back to my house at one that morning. Okay, so you're doing better. I'm doing better. I'm not nearly as tired. Which is funny because I, I was listening to it and I was like, oh my God, I am just rambling and rambling. And I cut a bunch of it out, but it was still bad. And uh, and people people said nice things. So I don't, I don't know what that means. I, I don't. Should I ramble more? I don't want to ramble more. It was I. It's because you're in the heart of America, Robert. What does that mean? That means that you are in America's proverbial heart. <laughs> As always, let's get this uh, episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on, the servers humming, and our hearts just a little bit warmer as we enter winter. Yeah, it's cold here. Oh my gosh, it got below freezing. There was frost on the roof last night. Are you kidding already? No, not, not, not at all, sir. <laughs> it was cold. I was just remarking to Jessica that you could tell falls here. It hasn't been over 90 in two weeks. Oh, my God. You can tell it's fall here. All the trees are starting to turn orange. It's pretty cool. <laughs> no, the trees are just confused here. They just think it's more summer, which, to be truthful, it is. But now I, I guess we're going into a heat wave because it's going to be 93 tomorrow. Oh, I do not miss that, sir. I do not miss that at all. Either do I. We get 12 minutes of winter. And this year, actually, they're they're thinking it's going to be a very warm winter. Last, the year I left, it was a really warm winter. I remember... Uh, we, we didn't have a single freeze. Yeah, yeah. When I went to... Or when we did Christmas, we were in, like, t-shirt and shorts. It was hot. Yeah, we went out and played on the driveway after Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that and, and those festivities... Speaking of wonderful days. Yeah. What's, what is our day of the episode? Today is National Touch Tag Day. Aww. Dating back to ancient Rome, tag has been played worldwide with a variety of names and rules. On American Touch Tag Day... did it with short swords. <laughs> tag, you're it forever! <laughs> On American Touch Tag Day, get outside, run around, have some fun. Tag, you're it. Maybe put some headphones in and listen to our podcast while you're doing it, but play some tag, people. You know it. Yep. Hashtag American Touch Tag Day. Yeah! That's your post on social media. Heck yeah! <laughs> ancient rome really i had no idea you, you know the rules of that game are frighteningly simple i i do not doubt that in this for a second i mean yeah it, it's pretty basic yeah all right well let's go ahead and get the show started properly it is time for us to go into our first segment off the shelf this is of course the segment where we talk about all the things that we've had off of our shelves into our hearts and minds and now we get to blather on about them some of them will be new some will not yeah yeah that happens that happens how would you like to begin? Should we begin with our, our, our feedback, our good feedback? Uh, yes, always. Let's stroke those egos. It's only been five minutes. All right. Stroke the ego. So, Mr. Mike Hall, 
Mike Hall of RPG fame? Our, yes, of that fame. Of of this Defined Earth seems to be wrapping up. He was showing off his cover for the uh, the GM guide, which looks I like very know, sexy. I know, I know. I got that update. I'm totally stoked. He reached out to us, and he was he he said it was a great episode, which I kind of didn't believe based off of our little <laughs> conversation earlier. And he said uh, it was so weird hearing a good story about Lorraine Williams because everybody speaks so poorly of her. Aww. And, um, and it was he was just said it's like it's weird, and I'm like I know right, <laughs> like I, I've never heard a good story about her. So actually hearing what being that's why I shared it. It was so notable that I, that it was like this this. Kid not be so yeah yeah remember the book that we reviewed the uh the one on gary gygax yes yes i do did not paint her in the best picture no no pretty much uh you know kind of confirmed everything we've heard was she a monster no i don't think she was a monster i just yeah. don't i think she was in over her head in, a, in his in an industry that she didn't fully understand i i don't even believe that i believe she fully understood it sir i i, I think just the opposite but um, there, dude, there, there's another book coming up by, uh, the, the host of the plot points podcast, Ben Riggs. Uh, and he, he's been talking about it a bit on his podcast and I have been listening through the backlog, but it, it is going to be interesting. One of the things he, uh, he talks about why TSA, TSR failed was, um, okay. So Jonathan, do you, do you know, like the time and tested way that people distribute RPG books? Yes. How, how does that go? Just just out of curiosity. Just okay. you mean just the model of yeah, core yeah, game yeah. expansions and and well, taking no. It no you you have a model? product. You have a product that's sitting in your warehouse. How do you, especially you know, in the eighties, how would you get that to stores and whatnot? Either sell it directly to the stores or sell it to distributors. Okay. Okay. So when you sell something to the distributor, when do you get paid? The moment you sell it. Okay. Right. Right. Unless you've got like net 60 terms, but you got to have like really good credit for that. Right. Okay. Okay. I might, I might have divin- dove in a little bit more deeply into that than you intended. What if I told you that Gary Gygax signed a contract dated sometime in the early 90, early 80s, I'm sorry, with Random House, and they got as a loan 27% of anything they sent Random House? So if they sent Random House, I don't know. Stuff that, in theory, would sell for, what, $300,000? They could just get 27% of that instantly. TSR did? Yeah. Wow. What if I told you that right before they, or right before, right after they sold, uh, or, or Lorraine uh, pushed them out and the Bloom sold to her, uh, they upped it to, like, 36 and, like, a quarter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That is impressive. So, do you? But here's the trick: if anything didn't sell, Random House could return it and get a refund. But let me ask you a question: if your business is making role-playing product, right, but you get the majority of your money not by actually selling that product, but by just sending stuff to Random House, do you think after a while your business model could become a bit flawed and your your perception? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially a pyramid scheme at that point. Yeah, yeah that 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 is what happened to TSR. They sort of, I, I mean, there's a lot more to it. If if you want to listen, there's several uh, podcasts that he's done about it because uh, Ben Riggs is writing a book about it. But uh, yeah, he actually got his hands on the contract because Random House sued them <laughs> and they had to include the original contract in in with the lawsuit. Yeah, she was in the news not too uh, not too long ago. I did not hear that. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently she has, or she had, I should say this humongous Buck Rogers, uh, collection of memorabilia, like 
original comic art, um, books. Yeah, yeah. Her, fa- her family owns it, like the because it, it was published in her her family's newspaper or something like that originally, and so she owns the rights to Buck well, I Rogers. Guess, I guess she made a humongous, humongous sale in 2010, and and like sold a bunch of it in auction, and then in 2017 there was a trademark lawsuit between the uh, like the the two family trusts, the Nolan and the Dilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, over who owned the rights and i don't know that that one's been decided that might still be in the courts yeah yeah well yeah it's it's complicated when you know what maybe we should get that book when it comes out that ben riggs is writing about this i would read it yeah I think I, that'd be great yeah yeah we could do uh we could do a deep dive on it, it sounds really fascinating do you want to do you want to do you want to discuss something about lorraine williams about maybe maybe another nice thing yeah like let's let's do this let's do this let's look at it Let's look at things from a certain point of view. Okay, so if you pay attention to the sale of TSR and like TSR West, and which is a long story that we will not go into, but uh, Ben Riggs does it in the the Plot Points podcast, and TSR West is astoundingly awesome. Like you you should pay attention to that if you like role playing games. So if you think about TSR uh, in the, like the nineties, their business model was like they got the Forgotten Realms and they made a campaign setting and they made all this beautiful art and then they started writing novels. And there were tons and tons of novels. Actually, it was uh, uh, Dragonlance started that. They they made the Dragonlance setting, and then they released the novels, and they made this like developed world, right? Where you know there's all these books and and art and all this fantastic stuff, and the and the world itself got very very visualized. And they did it with Forgotten Realms, and they did it with Al Qadim, which was their Arabian Nights setting. They did it with Dark Sun World. They did it with Birthright. They did it with Planescape. Like they had all of these shall we say intellectual properties that existed in a multiverse of uh, potential stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, uh, the most recent plot points podcast where they're going over that contract that they, uh, with random house that they had with, uh, I forget, I think it was Jim Ward, one of the guys who worked at uh, TSR back in the day. And he was saying when they sold TSR, uh, Ryan Dancy said that uh, TSR wasn't, a company that made worlds uh they were a company that had like a motor which was D and that they were going to go back and sell the motor and he said i disagree with that and look at it now wizards has shifted focus away from just making rules the big thing that they push all the time is story and hasbro itself is a company that focuses on intellectual properties and developing them into mass media and now we're getting a D movie again eventually hopefully sometime soon right we shall see. But my point is this. TSR, Lauren Williams's TSR, was in that headspace back in 1990. That they were making up worlds and they were trying to do things to get those worlds into more media. And they ultimately failed at it for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is TSR West, which you should definitely read about or, or listen to that podcast about. But TSR was trying to do that. Like they were trying to set themselves up uh, when they made TSR West, which was them trying to push into comic books that they could create intellectual properties and then sell them. And then you could use them to develop more media around it. And they were doing that in the nineties. Like, like so many others, maybe it was just ahead of its time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, just saying, maybe she was onto something just a little like Looking at a you, Sega t- Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah. Looking at you. I mean, I, I, we just went past the 20th anniversary. It had to be said nine, nine 99 was an amazing day. Lorraine Williams, possibly ahead of her time. Another nice thing to be said about her. If you look at it from a certain point of view and not a kind of skeezy, weird Obi-Wan one about how, you know, I, I meant that he was your father when I said he killed him. But like, you know, actual points of view. Let's move on to something else. Uh, what do you want to do first? I don't know, Jonathan. What do you want to do first? Uh, you've been making me decide for like episodes now, man. Like, like take back your reins, man. You're the host. I'm like the co-host. 
Well, fine. I, I'm like Andy Richter. I'm just standing <laughs> at a podium and, and like just saying snarky comments and making weird faces. <laughs> I love Andy Richter. Hi, oh, wrong, wrong co-host, but you get my point. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our off the shelf segment a bit more. And let's uh, let's start out with movies and TV this week, Robert. I have had an interesting two weeks. I have two. It's been weird. I started watching Mindhunter season two. Uh, that's the one about uh, using on Netflix about the behavioral, the behavioral sciences yeah, yeah, yeah. at the FBI. Man, let me just tell you, number one, David Fincher, anything you do or touch is just amazing. And I love you as a human being. And if you happen by some odd twist of fate to ever hear about this, uh, just, you know, shoot me an email. I really appreciate you. <laughs> but legitimately, uh, Mindhunter is some of the most engaging, interesting television I think I've ever seen. It is remarkable as a character study and as an exploration of the concept of behavioral science and, and what these people went through in a time where that really wasn't readily accepted. And it was just cutting edge stuff. It's, uh, it's fascinating. And the, the character development that occurs in season two has just been riveting. I'm, I am amazed. It, it's just such a well done product. Nice. Well, speaking of things set in the past, or I guess made there, uh, I watched The Shining because I, I got oddly excited by Dr. Sleep. So I had to go back and watch The Shining as an adult. Man, uh, that does not lose any of its terror as an adult. No, no. I was surprised about how well it held up. I, I mean, given it's it's a little hokey, the, present, the, the, the premise about why like cell phones wouldn't work, but you could film that now and it would work. Yeah, it would work perfectly. Place up in the mountains, no cell phone towers. Like, you know, and 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 yeah, it would it like that whole script would just work now. And and even even, you know, and then you ask, well, what about the internet? Because every hotel has to have internet. Yeah, but it, if that hotel was far enough into the mountains that they didn't have, you know, good internet lines, uh, especially cuz the phone lines went down, you could have it even be even more creepy where they have yeah, the internet. It's 2019 and Three quarters of Nova Scotia lost power for four days because of a, uh, the the leftover parts of a hurricane that hit it. Well, no, but think about it this way: like satellite internet, right? Like you could get stuff. Like you could watch Netflix. Yeah, with, it'd be really, really slow though. Well, no, it's the it's the upload that's slow. It's you sending stuff out. Like yeah. you, you can't call for help on the internet. You can't chat, but you could get stuff. You could so do that storyline today. And I found out the place that they filmed it uh, is is like really close to me. Like real, real close. Like a couple oh, hours away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in Oregon that they filmed it. The 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 hotel that was that was in Oregon because the hotel it's based on is in Colorado for the book, but the place where they filmed for the movie was here in, in Oregon. So I was like, maybe I should go. Maybe I, I am go. curious to see that sequel. It should be very good. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they filmed up there. I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> you know what I liked about it? Um, I've kind of gotten used to like jump scares and stuff. You know, and like. But that thing is not about the jump. It's it's just all mood, you know. It's just yeah. everything it, it, is just it's, off. It's mood and dread and uh, just tension. It's tension. Yeah, tension's the main character in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I dug it. I dug it. Uh, well, we uh, finished out our round of the Terminator movies, and we watched Terminator Genesis. Nice. Let let me, let me ask you this: Have you seen it before? Genesis? Yeah, I saw. It. Okay, okay. Is it like? bad bad or is it kind of like entertainingly bad it's entertaining in fact some of the ideas in it are actually genuinely good so the biggest problem that genesis has is that it was supposed to be part of a trilogy and there's a bunch of stuff left dangling that was obviously left dangling for a reason because they were building two more movies off of it but they never had a chance to go back and finish it yeah that's what yeah 
yeah, that period of time, there were a lot of movies that were making that mistake. Like uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 did that where they kind of forgot they were making a movie <laughs> and and not, yeah. not setting up sequels. It's like, no, no, you got to you got to start with the movie and then you build off of it, not build with that off of it. But there's some really good ideas in the movie. There's some really neat concepts. It's just that they how should I put this? It's like the writers had a cool idea and then the producers got in the way. That's what it feels like. Hmm. Somebody said, hey, we need a really cool helicopter chase here. Well, hey, we need to suspend physics for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. We will. And, and also the, the biggest what a twist of the movie they ruin in the preview because previews suck. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, I will say this. There are some jaw dropping effects in that movie. I'd forgotten how good the young Arnold was in that film blows anything that Marvel's done out of the water in their de-aging stuff. Yeah, well, in general, they're just getting better and better at it the more they take stabs at it. And, and man, the deepfakes algorithm is, uh, is impressive. That's the game changer, man. You, you, know what, uh, you know what the most impressive thing I've seen someone do with deepfakes was? Are you talking about, like, the Bill Hader ones? No, no, okay. So have you, have you ever heard of the? Yeah, you've heard of them because you watch uh, the, the Corridor crew do the effects things, right? You were talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've done a couple of deepfakes. They did a Tom Cruise one and um, a Keanu Reeves The one. best one I've seen them do is they took that, that scene from the Scorpion King, or not the Scorpion King, from yeah, Tommy Yeah, they two, cleaned it up. And they, and they used the deepfakes algorithm to put, like, the rock's face on a the better rock's rock face. face on the rock yeah. <laughs> and it works so well they did so much to that 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 scene and it works so well but it was funny putting the rock's face on the rock's face like that just made me laugh like that, that's like inception level <laughs> but it makes know? such a huge difference it did it did because yeah he he just didn't yeah yeah it was great anyway anyway even by those days standards that was a substandard effect I disagree. It was it was just early VFX, man. Like I, I remember, because I, I remember seeing it in the movie theater and going, "Oh, not a good choice." Yeah, well, you know, and then you watch the original Spawn movie and like Malbosia when they do a close up of him, he's all fuzzy like an N sixty four game. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen? Uh, they actually addressed the original Spawn movie in their uh, in their VFX artist react series. Yeah, I watched that one. I don't remember it though. It was late. Oh I was, man, I was, it was doing hysterical. Adulting. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember them having a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah. So speaking of VFX and whatnot, you want to know what I've been watching? Yeah. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. How's that going for you? It, actually, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty silly. You know what? I, 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 I'm not, I, I, I missed the boat on Pokemon because I didn't have yeah, a Game Boy. Yeah, I did too. That's why I can't get excited about it. But, but because I played Pokemon Go enough, I recognized enough things that I, I, it, I, it got it kind of hooked me on that and uh yeah the movie ain't half bad you know it's it's uh technically kind of a loose sequel to the original pokemon movie because there's several references to it even though there aren't it's weird but uh yeah no i actually i actually kind of dug it i will give it this if you think about the world of pokemon it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it and the movie kind of like toyed with that but then they just said, you know, we're just going on the ride, man. Don't think about it too hard, but we'll poke fun at it because it is kind of funny. <laughs> but we're <laughs> but we're moving on. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I actually I actually like the movie. It was I wish it was a little bit more of a mystery because it was the, the mystery was not much of a mystery. 
I mean, what do you want? Most most movie mysteries aren't much of mo- mysteries. Although I I want to see Knives Out by Rain Johnson because I've I've heard good things. Oh man, yeah, I want to see that so bad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's neither. But yeah, uh, Detective Pikachu, uh, good kids movie. Like it was good family viewing. I had I had a couple laughs because you know Ryan Reynolds was doing the Ryan Ryan Reynolds thing in it, and yeah, you know it was it was good times. All right, fair enough. I I would recommend like yeah like watch it with your kids. You'll have a good time. So we watched Shazam again. How how was the second viewing? Watching it with the kids made it better. The first time I saw it alone on a plane, and and I was watching it on my iPad, so it's not like I was watching a, a edited version, right? Right. Uh, but watching it with the kids and seeing them get into it somehow made it better. Yeah, I, I don't know that that makes sense, but no, I told I, like it's like I said, like the premise of it of a child magically becoming an adult by saying a magic word, like kids like that being there with them and like feeling that like it, it kind of like it stoked that in me that remembrance of of yeah and it just made the whole process better <laughs> it was the little it was the hit of the spice weasel it needed to make it work in my brain it's the best dc movie which yeah it's arguably up there yeah is not necessarily saying a ton but in this case it is yeah <laughs> Look, it's not that the DC movies are bad. It's just that they pulled a lot of punches and they couldn't quite figure out what they wanted to be. Like, they had a serious identity problem. The DC movies in general. I mean, DC has that problem sometimes, too, where they try to not be Marvel. So they're like, we're going to not be Marvel and we're going to make, you know, we're going to not do what Marvel's doing. And then it's like, yeah, but Marvel, you you, sh- you should copy what Marvel's doing <laughs> because yeah, they're they're being yeah. smart. Yeah, you just, just just don't don't try to be edgy and dark, man. Just just roll with it. And the movies where they haven't tried to be edgy and dark. Um, like Wonder Woman, like Shazam, like Aquaman, they've been significantly better. Like Aquaman was just a ride, you know, it was stupid and it was fun. And, and I, I, I don't remember a thing of that movie, but I remember having a good time and Wonder Woman was great. Wonder Woman was, was a, a brilliant movie and, and it's because it did the, the key thing and it was a good movie before it was anything else. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, I mean that's just what they need to do, and then whatever they need to like, like get a uh, uh, you know a bottle of ether and a rag, and just like go kidnap the Kevin Feige and like you know stick the needle in his brain and pull out his mojo a little bit and like you know season their, themselves with it, they'll be fine. Yeah, I would be curious to see Marvel without Kevin Feige. Like he seems to be that secret sauce. Oh yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. God bless the library, Jonathan. I just get to rent random stuff that I get a wild hair occasionally. Yeah, I am quite enamored with your library. I it's great. So we watched Aladdin, the Will Smith one. Is it I'm sorry, man. Like it just strikes me as a hot mess. Actually, I gotta say, I was I liked it more than I thought I would. <sighs> I don't know why people I, I was watching it the whole time and I'm like, I don't know why people hated this hated on this as much as they did. Because I, I heard a lot of people really hating on it. And it was I'm like, it's not it's not bad. And maybe that that initial trailer didn't do that. No, that things. initial trailer, like I, I saw that scene. That was not a finished special effect. <laughs> oh really? Oh no! Because that initial trailer, they don't even track the face right. The face doesn't move with the body, which is why it's so bad. Yeah, no, no, no. They they did more CG on that. That that was obviously not a finished effect, which is unfortunate. Because yeah, no, in the actual movie, it works a lot better. That's good because that first trailer was, oh my god, horrific. It was like the cats trailer. I think the reason a lot of people hated it was because, you know, Will Smith is not Robin Williams and he just can't be Robin Williams is, is well, he's dead. No, he should be Will Smith. He's great. He's great and charming when he's Will Smith. That is what he did. He was a very manic Will Smith. And occasionally he would have like the fourth wall dropping like pop culture reference that kind of Robin Williams did in the original. But 
again, like I, I didn't, I didn't hate his performance. Like I watched the whole thing and, and you know, he was, he, he was doing his Will Smithisms and you know, Will Smithisms where, you know, he, sometimes he's having that conversation, he gets down low and he's kind of whispering to you and like saying things to kind of spur you for, you know, they always have that scene in any movie with, with Will Smith. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there, there was that and there was, th- except for the ones where he's trying to get an Oscar. Right, right, right. But you know, I mean, he was, he was just being Will Smith. And he was obviously having a good time. Like they, they, I watched an, a blooper reel, and he was, he was just having a good time. They were, they were all having fun. It was, it just seemed like a good, yeah, you know, they were just having fun, and and the movie was fun because of that, you know, like it was, it was just. A I, mean, good time. I, heard, I heard it's almost a shot for shot remake of the original, which is part of the reason why it is good. I don't know. I didn't hear anything nice about the new song. I heard the new song just. There's a lot of new songs. Good. Apparently, the new songs are from the Broadway play. Um, cause there's a lot of, there's a few of them actually. There's, there, there's one big new song, but there's a couple like musical interludes that are from the play from what I understand. Cause the story is slightly different, which overall is for the best. And I will say this, like the guy who played Aladdin wasn't a great actor. Like he was actually the weak link in the whole thing, but, um, he wasn't bad. He just was below everybody else. <laughs> um, but like, uh, they gave Jasmine and him like a lot more development time to sort of develop their relationship because it's not as sudden like of her just <laughs> when you really stop and think about it yeah. in the Aladdin movie, yeah. that relationship is not healthy. No, that is, some, that is some stalker crap right there. Yeah. 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 And so they, they tweaked that storyline quite a bit. So it's not as bad. It's still, they fall in love over, you know, a couple of days, but at least it's not as like sudden, I guess they sort of ease into it a little bit. Jasmine, they made a much better character because uh, they they put in a subplot where she's actually trying to get the throne because you know he doesn't uh, the the Sultan doesn't have a son and and she's like why can't I be Sultan and and you know and and she's they they play up that she's actually would be good at ruling because there's a few instances where they need a leader and she like steps up pretty well. Mm-hmm. That that plot point was good. And then um, yeah, there's just a, a few little things that are different in the narrative. Like the ending's a little bit different. Um, with with what happens and uh, you know and, and you know it's 2019 so thank God uh, Jafar actually you know respects the whole thing of like I can't make people fall in love with you it doesn't work good and instead of him trying to do it like he did in the original movie you know he he goes like oh yeah that makes sense you know because it's a little rapey <laughs> and he just moves on you a know little yeah they cleaned up the story a little bit and like I said I didn't I didn't hate any of it like I was watching it I'm like why were people hating on this so bad I mean it's yes it's not the cartoon I get that. But it's trying to do its own thing and it's trying to steer, you know, it's it's trying to stay true to the original and kind of, you know. My big issue with all those is there's nothing wrong with the originals. And yes, some of them have some dated concepts, but that's just a fact of anything that's made in any given time period. It's going to happen. But I just taking it away from the animation is not always cool. Like, look at the the one that they just released that, that failed, the Lion King. Lion King made a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it failed in terms of people enjoying it quite as much, and it's because I beg they to differ. Able to emote like a cartoon, one billion dollars. <laughs> like, how can you say people didn't enjoy it? Like, a lot of people obviously did. I mean, from a, a critical standpoint, I guess. Yeah, like, but the thing was lambasted by critics, and in the mouth of madness, and a lot of movies critics hated. That doesn't mean anything, you know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I think people just like to hate on the concept, and I don't get it. Well, I saw a lot of footage of The Lion King, and from a technical standpoint, it was beautiful and gorgeous. But the problem is that you can't emote with a realistic lion because it doesn't have the ability to break its features that way. Like I said, I think people just like hating on those movies for the sake of hating on those movies because I... I don't know. I'll watch it. Like, the the Jungle Book that they remade was was okay. I enjoyed that. Yeah. My my only thought is Disney is cranking them out way too fast because... 
like if they keep going at the rate they're going, they're going to run out of animated movies to remake in like less than 10 years. Cause they're, they, they, Oh my God, they did so many last year. It was absurd. I was looking at it. Here's my horror show. The, the thing that keeps me up at night. At what point are we getting a live action remake of toy story? <laughs> because have you seen the cats trailer? I know I'm bringing it up again, but I'm saying, have you seen the cats trailer? Again, I don't know why people hate on that movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not the story that's the problem. It's the technology. Have you seen the trailer for Cats? Yeah, I've seen the trailer for Cats. I still... That is nightmare fuel, man. I, I don't get why people hate on it. You, you're you not completely just... It, like, triggers the fight or flight in me. Like, I want to oh. grab a knife and prepare myself for battle. Yeah, you know, I was talking about this with Gina, and I don't like musicals and and june's like well why'd you want like it has a, nothing to do with the get up there but i i noticed the common thread in musicals that i either don't hate or um i i even like because i like the lad is they don't try to be real and so people are like complaining about how cats looks weird and i'm like it's a mo- it's it's about singing cats and the original play is about them deciding which one of them gets to die to be, be re- reincarnated or some crap. Like it's all weird and philosophical and you're, you're stressing about what the cats look like. It looks stupid on stage. They were wearing like, you know, leotards that had jungle prints on them and furry makeup. I mean, it, it's stupid no matter how you slice it. I don't care. It is what it is. And it's probably like the musical. You're either going to love it or hate it. Speaking of things that people that critics hate, like people hate that musical or they love it. And yeah, it, that's kind of how I feel about it. I saw it in New York. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah. But the, the the costumes weren't what offended me. Yeah, I'm just saying it's an inherently stupid premise. Like, I don't, I don't get why. No, it's a completely just bonkers premise. Right, it's right. Dumb. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I, that's that's my point. Like, I don't get why people But then again, we have it. a musical about the world of chess, so I don't know. Maybe musical. I, I saw Starlight Express when I was a kid. That was about trains. And they, they were on roller skates. I remember that very vividly. I saw it at the, the Newport Performing Arts Center. At least we got one night in Bangkok out of chess. There you go. So we got that go for us, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, last year they had three movies. They did Dumbo, Aladdin, and The Lion King. That was all. T- that was all this year. It's I not- heard that Dumbo one was just soulless. I I didn't see it, nor do I want to. And we're getting another two by the end of the year, according to this. You know that because Maleficent two, which if that's a animated remake, that whatever. But we're getting we're also getting Lady and the Tramp before the end of the year. That's going to be five or four movies, depending on how you slice it this year. They're like, I, I, I it boggles my mind that they have that kind of output. Uh, I mean, they know how to print money, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, they're pulling it back a little bit because Mulan's next year and then Cruella, which is the prequel to 101 Dalmatians is in 2021, but they're working on like another dozen. Is Glenn Close coming back as Cruella? No, no, it's somebody else entirely. That tells me everything I need to know. You know, the one that actually is kind of pisses me off is Lilo and Stitch. Like, that, that's, yeah, that does. Like, like I said, it doesn't. It, uh, I don't know. But you know who, what I am looking forward to? They're doing Sword in the Stone, and I love me some Arthurian stuff. I, I would watch a remake of that. Yeah, but I mean, just don't make it a remake of an animated movie. Just make it a good movie. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, wow, we are way, way off topic here. Anyway, Aladdin, thumbs up. I liked it. If uh, I was pleasantly surprised, I thought I was going to be terrible and awful and it wasn't. It was just nice. So let's let's move back to you. What, what have you been watching? Lockout. Tell me about Lockout. Have you ever seen Lockout? No, I don't even know what it is. It was like a 2012 uh, French movie, but it had a bunch of American and British actors in it. Although I guess uh, Guy Pierce is uh, Australian, but it's basically um, Escape from New York. 
meets Die Hard in space. <laughs> he had me I, until he said in space. <laughs> but it works. It works. And Guy Pierce's character is is so not Guy Pierce. Like everything you see him in, he's he's dead serious. And this is he's wisecracking, a complete smartass, and hysterical. Wow. I, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. A French court has ruled that the film plagiarizes the plot of Escape from New York. I'm not even going to try and defend that. Absolutely. It 100% does. <laughs> and it throws in some Die Hard for good measure. It's not so far off from Die Hard either. But that being said, considering it was like this little $24 million movie or something, it's got really good special effects. It's got some fantastic writing in it in terms of just the dialogue, not necessarily the premise, but the dialogue. And it's it's fun. Like, it's stupid fun. Is that streaming anywhere? I don't know. I've got it on disc. I've had it on disc for a long time. I've, I bought it back in 2012. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Guy Pierce. I think he's an excellent actor, and he's been in some of my favorite movies. And so I primarily bought it to support him. But then I watched it, and I had a great time. I'm not going to defend it as a good movie, Robert, but it sure is a fun movie. You, you, you know, it, uh, he, he doesn't actually get that money. You don't have to buy things like that. I'm just saying. It's what I can do, Robert. It's what I can do. I saw it in theaters, all right? All right. What more do you want from me? Okay. Well, you know, it's on Netflix or Amazon, which is what I got at the moment. So I will confirm that hold at the library. There you go. <laughs> your library has lockout? Of course it does. <laughs> oh, I love your library so much. Can, I, can you believe that I'm number one in line and it's not on hold right now? <laughs> Somehow it just rings true. <laughs> yeah, I should probably have it on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe next time we can talk about it. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Then I won't say anything more about it. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I've been watching is I, I stumbled onto a, a YouTube channel called Good Bad Flicks. This already sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's just this guy. And he sort of like goes over the plot of these crappy old like slash mostly horror movies, but occasionally sci-fi and other like he did an episode on prehysteria. I still haven't watched yet, but um yeah, yeah. I, I did not realize that Robot Jocks is considered to be part of a trilogy. Like he mentioned that there there was <laughs> what it, it's not. Don't don't get too excited. So basically, they made a movie called Crash and Burn, uh, which was unrelated. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the budget. Oh, oh no. Uh, and it was completely unrelated to Robot Jocks. But then uh, in Europe, they just marketed it as Robot Jocks Two: Crash and Burn. Oh, my God. This sounds like what they did with the. With uh, Robotech. And, and Zombie, yes. Uh, or, or Night of the Living Dead, a.k.a. Zombie. Uh, and, and a whole bunch of... Italy just likes remake or making sequels to movies they don't really technically own the rights to do that with. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> oh, legal ownership. That's just such a pesky thing. We're not going to worry about that. <laughs> no one's going to mind. No, no. It, I, I've, have you seen the Zombie? That's a great movie. A zombie fights a shark. <laughs> Of course he does, Robert. Of course he does. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It's a it's a fun YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, robot. Oh, and then part three is uh, robot war. Or yeah, robot wars, which is terrible. But that actually directly references plot lines from Robot Jocks. So it was a kind of intended will, to be a sequel. And, will you do me a favor and, and text me that YouTube channel tomorrow? Uh, yes. I think that needs to be in my life. Yeah, it, he's he's been doing it since 2012. So like there are a metric ton of episodes to watch. It is Good. great. I have I have new stuff to consume. Uh, I think the shortest one I've seen is about 10 minutes. The longest is like 26. But yeah, 
Yeah, I, actually, I, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, the wife and I got from the library the Dungeons and Dragons movie because he did an episode on it, and he's like, "I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to argue this movie." The 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 Uwe Boll one? No, it wasn't Uwe Boll. It was uh, his name was uh, Courtney Solomon. Did it? Oh, uh, uh, what am I thinking? Of? You're thinking oh, of he it, did the name Dungeon of the King. Siege? Yeah, Dungeon Siege. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's like. I, th- this movie isn't good, but it's awesome and I love it anyway. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'll watch that movie again because the first time I watched it, I was in my snooty uh, 20s when I was in my snooty movie phase. So I'm like, I'll, I'll give that one another go to see if it's so bad it's good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He did he did Killer Clowns from Outer Space. He did a bunch of stuff. I love that movie. Yeah, I hate clowns. Yeah, yeah. I, I, me, me and the, me and the daughter, man. Like, dude, going on. Uh, she's seven, going on. Like, I don't know, philosophy major. Because we were talking about why clowns are scary, and she's like, "Why would people watch clowns?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You gotta understand, honey. Clowns were funny <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Not anymore. Now they just terrify the living daylights out of it. Although I did see the funniest thing. Uh, there's a taco shack that opened up on 1431. Mm, yeah, I know. And uh, they have painted their windows for Halloween, and they've got the It Clown on one of the windows looking out from uh, underneath the street uh, through the storm drain. And it says, we've got tacos down here. (laughs) And I was driving by it the other day, and I was like, oh, well played, Taco Shack. Well played. (laughs) All right, let's round out these movies. Tell me about your last one. Uh, We watched Venom again. Nice. So I made a list of uh, eight movies, and we did a uh, we did a bracket with the movies. So the kids got to choose what movies they wanted to watch. So we had like Avatar, Big Trouble in Little China, Venom, Captain Marvel, Superman versus Batman, Spider Man, uh, Homecoming, Cowboys versus Aliens somehow got on there, and Mission Impossible. Hmm. They were just kind of looking through the, the the books of movies and and choosing stuff that was even remotely interesting to them. So the the first round. Big Trouble in Little China, Venom, uh, Superman versus Batman, and Cowboys versus Aliens won. And then Venom beat Big Trouble in Little China, and then um, Cowboys versus Aliens beat out Superman. And then finally, in the the final fight between do we watch Venom or do we watch Superman versus Batman, they chose Venom. Yeah, seems correct. I think I think that was the wise choice between the two. Let me tell you, I'd forgotten how enjoyable that movie is. It's completely kooky. Like, it's a weird movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I'm also not 100% sure that Tom Hardy ever fully understood what accent he was trying to go for, because it kind of rotates as the film goes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hell if I didn't smile the whole damn time. And the stuff where Tom Hardy's talking to himself as Venom is just hysterical. I, I'm curious how the Spider-Man-less Spider-Man universe is going to go. <laughs> we'll find out. Mobius the Living Vampire Apparently, is in the same world. Spider-Man is going to be in the next Venom, in Venom 2. Uh, no, well, we will see. We will see. That was one of the... Apparently, from, from what you know, the newspapers have been saying, the industry insiders, mm. uh, that was one of the sticking points. Intriguing. Tom versus Tom. I'd be down for that. I'd watch that. I'd watch that too. Yeah. I'm not going to say that Venom isn't enjoyable. It's very fun. It's not a good movie. No. But it's very fun. No, it's not a good movie. He eats a lobster. That's disgusting. (laughs) I was laughing so hard when he gets in the water. It just looks like he's just chillaxing. Good day at the pool. Oh, that's better. 
Well, that's our movies. What what else have we been doing? God, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. Tell you what. I'll I'll do video games easy. Uh, we had to take a break of WoW Classic because uh, the wife injured her leg by sitting. Because you know, being old, that's what happens occasionally. <laughs> God, isn't age great? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we we watched a lot of like movies and TV. We started actually watching Carnival Row, but we haven't finished it. So I was gonna hold on. Oh, everybody keeps telling me I need to watch that. I need to put that on my list. Uh, uh, my my early return is uh, I I don't know how I'm feeling about the story at this point. I'm about three episodes in, but the world's really interesting, so I keep watching it. And once I finish Mine Hunter season two, it's on. But uh, so yeah, we we kind of took a break from the WoW Classic for a little bit while you know she didn't sit at a computer because that apparently aggravated it um and then i have been playing dragon quest builders 2 because of course i have because i'm a man obsessed with that game and uh, i started my my big project i um i have decided to recreate i'll apologize for the crudity of the model when it comes out because i i won't have time to make it to scale because i i can't make it that big in that game but i'm gonna make a castle ravenloft because it's mapped out and i'm gonna build it in dragon quest builders 2 i'm uh I'm, I'm, I started work on that. I, I flattened out an area because I figured out I have to start building it at sea level to make it work. Because <laughs> I don't have... I can't wait to see it. I don't have enough vertical space to put it in. It will have some vertical space because uh, the there's like these crypts underneath the castle. I'm going to have to build those below ground. Uh, even though like the, ca- the castle is supposed to be on this big giant spire rock, but I just don't have the room for that. Uh, but the the larder the first basement the not creepy basement that will be above ground and then i will build up from there so it'll it'll be a little bit above ground but i have to i have to build a significant portion of it below ground <sighs> so yeah it's it's quite large i i was mapping it out and and i'm not going to make it to scale cuz the map that's included in the game it is 10 foot squares which technically because of the way squares work in Drenquist Builders, I should probably make it three by three for a 10 foot square because it's in meters and three meters is kind of 10 feet. It's close enough, but I decided to make it two by two because that makes the math a lot easier. Also, because since I can't make it as tall as the castle supposed to be, it'll do kind of a forced perspective thing where everything will look narrower and up and higher. So I'll do that. See overthinking it, Jonathan overthinking it. You? No. Surely not. Surely not. So, yeah, I got started with that today. I flattened out an area with my golem. That's fun. So, like, uh, they, <laughs> unlike Minecraft, where you have to do mods to, or, or, you know, like make your own map to flatten out areas, they give you this giant golem that you can ride on the back of, and he just punches the ground, and like a 10 by 10 area just explodes. It's great. It's so much fun. That sounds pretty handy. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's fun. Like, you're just sitting there. It's like, I'm knocking down mountains. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you just went full Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I did. It was great. It was That that was a load of fun. And I, I did. I knocked down a mountain because I, I had to I had to build through a mountain to give myself enough room to actually do it. So there we go. Dragon Quest Builders 2, WoW Classic. What have you been playing? I sadly have not had an opportunity to play WoW Classic because uh, we had to travel to Iowa for, to visit my wife's family one weekend. And I just haven't had a minute to my name. What little I have, what little time I have had, um, I finished out Apex Season Two, uh, Apex Legends. Season Three starts tomorrow, and uh, so does my obsession. My obsession renews tomorrow. Supposedly, there's a new map, from what I hear on the interwebs. Yeah, there's a new planet with a moving uh, a moving train that you can fight on. Oh, fun! Which is awesome, and there's also a new character coming, Crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like a little uh, little drone thing that follows him around. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. 
So I've got Xbox Game Pass, which is the best 15 bucks you can spend if you've got an Xbox. Yeah. 15 bucks a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get so many games for your money. So I put Quantum Break on, which I think I, I played when it first came out, but I never got a chance to finish. And um, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I want to finish it. I'm, I'm fascinated by the storyline, but the storytelling is just not good. <laughs> okay. Also on... Uh, Xbox Game Pass was season one of the the Hitman remake. Yeah, you've been you, you talked about that last time. You've been playing more. Yeah, I have, and I'm having a great time. The flexibility in which you can approach a level is cool. And one of the neatest things is they give you a lot of reply replayability in the legends or in the the levels because they give you a variety of different ways that you can approach it, and they give you challenges to try and get it all. And every time you uh, finish a set number of challenges, which which gives you XP, you get the opportunity to unlock different starting points in the level, different, um, different cover costumes, and you can even have drops with specific weapons placed in specific areas of the map, which give you the option to, to attack the level from completely different ways. Nice. There's there's probably a dozen different ways to kill your targets in any given level. It, it's so flexible, and that 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 is a fun puzzle to figure out. And then there's the game you tried to recruit me into the cult for. Yeah, I've been playing a little RPG on the phone. It's called Raid Shadow Legends. I'm not going to call it a amazing game, but it looks really pretty, and it is tickling my... Um, mess with my, you know, armor and all my RPG stuff to make a cool character thing going on. So I'm having fun with it. It's a stupid phone game, but it's the kind of stupid phone game that doesn't take very long every day. And you get out of it. Like I haven't put a single dollar into the thing and I've easily got 30 hours in it. Nice. Cause I, I can play it on the road, you know, like we went up to Iowa and I didn't have, uh, uh, you know, any video games to play or anything like that, but I could just be sitting there waiting for somebody at a, at, you know, in a parking lot. And I would just whip out my phone and get 10, 15 minutes of raiding. And I'm, I'm having a blast with it. It's, it's, it's a silly phone game, but it's a fun phone game. Oh, my gosh, Jonathan. You know what I should have this weekend from my library? Speaking of good, bad flicks, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Oh, I love you for that. Oh, oh I remember... I remember that being a dumpster fire when I saw it as a kid, but it was it was an enjoyable dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, it's with the cat people. Yeah, the vampires. Yeah, Shh, don't listen to that, sorry. Gina. We're oh, actually hopefully we'll watch it before this episode comes out. So there you go. <laughs> you know what's downloading in the background right now onto my Xbox? What? Because it was on sale for stupid off. It was like sixty percent off. Hmm. The Spyro the Dragon trilogy and the Crash Bandicoot trilogy. Oh, I I rented the Spyro one from the uh, library. I probably would have gotten it if Anne liked it more, but she wasn't having a good time with it, so I decided not to. I totally justify this to myself uh, as saying the kids will enjoy it. Yeah. I fully understand where you're going. Yeah. All right, so tell me about your board games. Wrap us up. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Dune Watch 2020. How you doing? I'm just about done with the book. I think I've got about 150 pages. Nice. Yeah, I mean, considering how how few my opportunities to read are, I am very happy that I've managed to chew through it this quickly. Very cool. I'm stoked. I'm having a good time with it. I'm really, really... I'd forgotten what a fantastic book it is and how much I enjoy Frank Herbert's writing. Okay, now board gaming. Let's do this. All right, so in board gaming, we have definitely moved into the space of 
uh, Halloween is coming and the kids are kind of starting to get into it. We were discussing Halloween costumes, so they kind of had that in the mind. So uh, we've played three games that are distinctly kind of Halloween flavored. We've been playing a lot of Horrified because we were going to, um, I knew I wanted to review it on the show. So that will actually be coming up later this episode in our deep dive. So I'm not going to speak too much more to it. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I f- completely forgot because it's the 2019 Forgot My Die Spoopy Halloween Spectacular. Indeed it is. Yes. I love this time of year and I love the board games that go with it. Nice. So, yeah, a lot of Horrified. We also sat down and played some Monster Slaughter. I think I talked about this on the the podcast once, yeah? Yeah, isn't that what we're going to do next time? As part of the 2019 Forgot My Day Spoopy Halloween Spectacular! It is indeed, and I will not go too deeply into gameplay. Suffice it to say, I've been having a blast with it, and the fact that the bottom of the box forms your cabin in the woods just tickles me to no end. Oh, yeah, you, you have talked about that before. I remember that. And then you also played Zombicide Invader, which is Zombicide in Space. So now instead of Zombicide in Space, <laughs> now instead of zombies, you are fighting against an alien race called the Xenos. Yeah, like you do. Like you do. Like you do. And there's some interesting rule changes in this. So, in, for instance, in previous versions of Zombicide, you had... You had to find weapons that did one, two, or three damage, uh, and the only way to do damage to a beefier uh, enemy character was if you could do two damage simultaneously, which required a special weapon. Now you have the option of doing something called Concentrated Fire, which is where you attack a single enemy, no matter how many enemies are on that space, and that allows you to concentrate your fire from your low-power weapon and actually do two or three damage in a single uh, a single shot. Hmm. That gives you greater flexibility for, for being aggressive in the game, uh, especially with the, the big bats. There's also some neat concepts with how mold moves in the game. Uh, some of these um, the alien characters leave a trail of mold which consumes the level, and when it does, you lose your ability to search for items, and eventually it, it can be a game-over scenario because if the mold can connect the um, spawn, any two spawn points from the, uh, from the bad guys, then it's game over. And they also did some really cool stuff with um, the kind of rules that they cherry-picked from the, the Zombicide family. Obviously, the the core of the game is distinctly Zombicide, but then they borrowed a couple of rules from Black Plague, uh, including the Friendly Fire rules, which I'm a big fan of the Friendly Fire rules in Black pa- Plague over the, or, uh, the, over the standard. And they, they, they just kind of cherry-picked some of the best moments from everything and put them together in a really fun package. I've been having a blast with it. Well, that sounds cool. And it's in space. Yeah. So there you go. In space. So are the, the Xenos, are they space aliens or are they more like uh, like dead space stuff? No, they are distinctly space aliens. Oh. They kind of look like the Mars attacks aliens <laughs> with a lot more tentacles. No, no, no. Not, not Mars attacks the movie. Mars attacks the, the pinball game. Oh. <laughs> I, I just had a... <laughs> <laughs> movie so dumb but i love it <laughs> so no not 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 the mars attacks aliens from the movie but definitely the mar they, they kind of look like more tentacle ridden mars attacks the pinball game uh aliens <laughs> you know we should do a commentary track for that film 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I think you and I would have a blast watching that together. <laughs> I don't know how many people have actually listened to it, but that commentary track we did was some of the most fun I've had in the podcast. Yeah, we need to do something. We need to get off our butts. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I think that's it. Are we done? I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we're done. Let me double check. Double check. Lauren Williams. Blah, blah, blah. My call. Yeah. American Touch Tag Day. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means after a quick break, we'll be right back with our wisdom of crowds. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back to the show. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment, the segment where we discuss all the wonderful world of tabletop and we talk about the news and all the fun and exciting things going on. So, without any further ado, Robert, why don't you go ahead and get it started this week? What is your first story? So, I was on the Kickstarter and we were just talking about it during the break, but uh, Chris Spivey, who wrote the Call of Cthulhu book, Harlem Unbound, which is going to get a second edition soon, directly from Chaosium, which is kind of rad. Nice, neat. He has a new Kickstarter up called Haunted West. Uh, it's running for a while. I should have another two weeks in it by the time this comes out. I said out loud without actually checking. Yes, it should have plenty of time. It actually looks like the last day is going to be Halloween. Nice appropriate enough but yeah it's a old west game uh uh with you know uh your standard issue weird west tropes of you know ghosts and space aliens and whatnot and uh, but it's going to have a focus uh more on how the old west is not as single colored as a lot of the media would like you to believe i i saw an episode of adam ruins everything about this where uh actual factual cowboys only about 10 percent of them were were white people 25 percent were african-american and uh the rest is pretty much uh latinx so there you go it's going to be more representative which is interesting and it's going to have a slightly altered history uh booth managed to bag the vice president too when he assassinated lincoln oh, so that that changes history yeah 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 so because that was ori- apparently that was his original goal he was gonna bag lincoln jump and then go kill the vice president at the same time but he broke his leg. Germany isn't the only country that has a annual gaming award that it hands out. Spain does too. Mm. And it's time to talk about the nominees for this year's Juego del Año, which is the game of the year for 2019. Or 1999. No, not 90. What am I saying? 2019. Hey, Jonathan, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I want you to put a hand to your ear, and I want you to tell me if you can hear your ancestors crying at what just happened. I probably shouldn't be playing Raid right now. <laughs> yeah, stop. you're reading the news, damn it, go. <laughs> I can't help it, man! I'm trying to max out my level 5! So, the nominees for this year's Juego del Año are as follows. Cryptid 
Mm-hmm. El Dorado. Mm-hmm. Innis. Mm-hmm. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And Optimus. Did any of those games come out in the state? I'm not familiar with. Oh any yeah, of them. Cryptid is uh, Cryptid is huge. Cryptid was all the rage at Gen Con. Everybody was talking about it. Mm, okay, uh, it's a game about cryptozoology. That sounds right up my alley. I'll have to look into uh, that. So did Eldorado, and Innis is the last in the Kemet trilogy. So there's Kemet, uh, Cyclades, and Innis. Okay, Cryptid. I will. I'll. I'll write that one down. The winner will be announced on October 12th during the let's see 14th. International Games Festival of Cordoba, or as Ricardo Montalban said in the uh, Chrysler commercials, Cordoba. But unfortunately, as it turns out, he was putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable as the accent is over the O. So, wow, did you just quote that one old movie with Mike Myers and Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, yes, I did, baby. Wow. <laughs> You're the only person who's ever picked up that reference. And this is why I love you, Robert. <laughs> wow legitimately i i have always enjoyed that reference i think it's hysterical and you are the only person who's ever picked up what what movie it came from <laughs> i can't believe you it's, I mean, it's been 20 years of using it and you're the only human being that's ever picked up on it that really wow that that's that's like an inside joke with me and gina we we, we say that all the time to each other i say it all, I mean, the, time all the time too i think it's hysterical put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable <laughs> What was that movie now? Oh, man. I, I don't I'm, know. I'm looking up Mike Myers. Is, uh, it's not helping. Gwyneth Paltrow is probably not going to be much better. I can't remember what year that came out. It was a while. Christina Applegate was in it, too, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Before she hit it big with the Anchorman. A View from the Top. A View from the Top. A View from the Top. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> there you go. Obscure tiny movie references for 200, Alex. Well played. So I am proud of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they are starting to, they're, they're doing something really cool. They're putting their money where their mouth is. So they recently, we didn't cover this, but they shook up. When you have a FLGS, you can be different levels with them. And I forget, I don't know what the criteria are now. Um, but, it, you know, it's based off of a number of events you have and the number of people who show up, yada, yada, yada. They, they shook that up recently and they added in like a fourth tier, <laughs> basically, called a premium. I think, think premium is the high one. So basically, they, they've been saying they want more people to hit premier status, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. They have announced a program to help stores with a retail improvement grant. Uh, basically, you submit an application for them to make a, quote, sizable aesthetic upgrade to your space. And uh, ideal candidates are WPN members who are actively pursuing WPN premium and could use a little boost. And the projects can range from painting a mural to getting better tables and chairs or whatever it is that you're going to improve your space. But if Wizards approves you, they will pay for half of it. Which is very cool. Yeah, that is cool. So there you go. Wizards of the Coast being being the market leader. Well, uh, you might have heard of a game called The Big Book of Madness that came out last, uh, or no, a couple of years ago. So I guess it was about 2015, 2016, something like that. Okay. Well, uh, it's from Aiello, and they are putting out the very, very first expansion, The Big Book of Madness, The Fifth Element. Basically, everybody is a student magician, and you are all going against monsters that are escaping from the the uh, namesake, the big book of madness. And in this expansion, uh, you are going to get two new modules, the dark matter and phobias modules, uh, and the dark matter and dark curses module. Phobias adds new, uh, phobia cards, which are madness cards with permanent effects versus temporary effects from the original game. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like fun. So yeah, that should be available in stores sometime in February of 2020. Very cool. I like it. 
one last story from the file of the absurd. Jonathan, were you aware of the brouhaha on Twitter with a wrestler named Maxwell Jacob Fredman? I can't say that I am, no. Okay, so uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at this point, it happened right around the last time we recorded, I think. He tweeted out a picture of him all swell at the gym after a workout, and it was captioned, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, you with me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The stupid internet exploded. Like, Joe Maginello uh, tweeted back a picture of his ripped awesomeness, saying, I do play Dungeons & Dragons. And, like, a bunch of people did. Like, you know, you know, people were... Did he say bitch at the end? <laughs> no. But, yeah, it, it, it was a thing. Like, and, and, and then the guy, like, doubled down and said D&D players are trash and just got all of this nerd culture mad at him. It was, it was kind of hysterical. Because, um, uh, you know, like, you're sitting there like, what are you doing, man? Why are you trying to piss off all these nerds? Well, okay. Uh, there's there's more to this story that most people don't know about. I just found out about this the other day, so I thought I would share. It's pretty funny. So uh, MJF is a wrestler for the upcoming uh, All Elite Wrestling, which will be on TNT uh, two days ago as the time of this podcast comes out. So hopefully you watched it, I guess. Um, and he has a rival. He is a heel, and he has a face character he's a rival with, and his name is Brandon Cutler who does play Dungeons and Dragons. He has a oh. lot of dice motifs on his thing. So he's just in character, not being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Brandon apparently <laughs> has a, a finishing move called the TPK, which is some sort of spinning <laughs> side <slide. laughs> Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. MJF is staying in character. So he's, uh, he's using all this to build hype for himself as, as kind of a heel. And that's why he's saying D&D players are trash. <laughs> which makes it even better because now I know it's an act, which is somehow funnier. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's a wrestling act. This is like, you know, this is wrestling nonsense. So just, just roll with it and have a good time. People. Yeah. But I can't believe there's somebody <laughs> with a finishing move called TPK. That's the TPK. A, that's amazing. Well, there you go. Uh, October 2nd, watch TNT. You could, maybe he'll do it. To, <laughs> maybe Brandon <laughs> will do it for us. Cause I will watch that. <laughs> do you have a phone set an alarm? <laughs> You are my alarm. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have TNT. I can't, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I don't set alarms. I already have so many freaking alarms. I don't know what's going on most of the time. My phone's just <laughs> right. constantly beeping at me. All right, fair enough. So there you go. Take my medication uh, now. Go pick up a kid here now. It's just never ending. <laughs> here, I'll uh, I'll send it to your phone. The uh, the uh, the original. Oh, I'm tweet, YouTubing which... this to see the the TPK move. <laughs> What, 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 what's the wrestler's name again? Brandon Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R. Brandon Cutler, T-P-K. Oh, I'm not the only one Googling this. <laughs> All right, let's see. Ah, I just watched it. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. What? <laughs> Is it the one where he spins him around like nine times? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just slams him, side slam. Yeah, it's good times. And he had him like behind his back, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> God, I love the earth. <laughs> there's days, there's days where I don't like people, but damn, if they don't just redeem themselves the very next day. <laughs> well, there you go. I sent you a, a link to the, the story. Thank you, Brandon Cutler. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for our very short news segment. Sorry, it's just this time of year. Not a lot going on. But that doesn't mean that we didn't have a lot going on last year, which means it's time for our year in the life segment. 
our segment where we take a look at what we were playing and deep diving one year ago, and we have a bunch of time to talk about it. Forgot My Dice, episode 48, Explore the Timothy Dalton. We were talking about Timothy Dalton and Tiny Epic Zombies. <laughs> Which we actually played together because you were in town. Has it been that yeah. long? Yeah, it's been a year, man. It's been a year. No, I'm not Sad. okay with that, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Things when are you coming so back? Busy. Do you have another wedding? I, uh, no, no. I On a side note, back, Lincoln, out of nowhere, uh, I mentioned that I was recording the podcast. And he said to me, I really miss Robert. He should move back. <laughs> no, move up here. Uh, I wish. I wish. We, uh, You know. We're up north. We're not going to be fried out of existence and not underwater either. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. But anyway, he was thinking about you. I thought you'd, I thought you'd appreciate that. Thank you, Lincoln. That was nice. Move up to the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful up here. My trees are turning orange. Oh, It's lovely. Leaves are falling. Leaves are falling, Jonathan. Falling off the trees. Anyway, I, I actually listened to this episode uh, the other day. It was pretty funny because <laughs> we we get off on this wild Timothy Dalton tangent several times throughout the episode. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was not good every episode. day you get to talk about Timothy Dalton. No, no. no Which is don't. funny because I really, 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 truly enjoyed him in Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I can't say that I've played any additional Tiny Epic Zombies. Uh, it's it's just kind of fallen to the wayside. I don't think it's the game's fault. I think it's my fault for just not having enough time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe with Halloween coming up, I'll have to take that back out. But that brings us to the end of our Year in the Life segment, which means it's now time for another short break. And when we return, we will be diving deep into the world of Horrified. Four. Barry, say horrified. Horrified. Ow. Ow. <laughs> Ow. 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 Say horrified. Horrified. No. Okay. All right. Let's go brush your teeth, home skillet. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for us to go into our deep dive. And this episode's deep dive is, of course, part of our Halloween Spectacular. Today, we're going to be talking about Horrified. The stakes have been raised. Waka, waka, waka. Imagine living in a place so wretched that it's not plagued by one, two, or even three monsters, but seven of the most horrifying fiends in this game. You will come face to face with them all as you work together to rid the town of the <laughs> maniacal or what is happening quiet, of the maniacal or misunderstood creatures before it's too late. Horrified uses high quality sculpted minis of Frankenstein, the bride of Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Dracula, the mummy, the invisible man and the creature of the black lagoon. It's innovative, easy to learn. Cooperative gameplay has players working together against monsters with varying levels of difficulty. Just as each monster is unique, they require different strategies and tactics to be defeated. The stakes have risen. I like that. That's clever. <laughs> right off the bat, 
uh, this is like officially licensed by Universal, right? I mean, this is like actual yeah, Bella yeah. Lugosi. It's got and the that. Universal Studios Monsters logo right on the front. Nice, nice. So all the art is the official Universal Studios Monsters, and everything is up and up on the up and up. Besides uh, what we know of the seven monsters and uh, whatnot, and the, the fact that they have really cool minis of them, I'm looking at pictures right now. How do you play this game, Jonathan? In the game everybody's cooperating with each other and either the players all win together or they lose together. And if they win, they've defeated all the monsters that they're playing against. Um, and what's really cool about the game is that every one of the monsters ha- has a different way of being defeated, uh, which means that when you mix and match the monsters, you get a different puzzle every time you play. That's, that's one of the first things that really struck out, uh, stuck out about this game and the way it plays. So, for instance, the creature from the Black Lagoon you have a separate board which tracks your um, uh, your journey as you look for the lair of the creature. And then once you find the lair of the creature, you then drive that creature away. With Dracula, it's a little bit different. You have to find his four coffins on the, the main board. And when you do, smash them to overcome Dracula. Um, and every one of the monsters has a, a different, basically, combination of things that you need to do to um to make them go away and you can up the difficulty of the game by playing with more and more monsters they recommend that you start out on your first game with the creature from the black lagoon and dracula but then for a novice game they say any two monsters for a standard game any three and then for a challenging game any four if you just want to die horribly in the the crossover extraordinaire you just play with all seven (laughs) that would be a little complicated but yes the reason that might not work is because of the the, the way gameplay handles um, a timer. There's a, basically a built-in timer in one of the decks of the game. And I don't think you would have enough time to, to, to do all seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in, in, in that big of a crossover, the, mon- the monsters are just going to win. Now, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can lose. Um, one of the re- ways that you can lose is on the terror track. So whenever a hero or a villager is defeated by the monsters, the terror level of the game increases. And when it reaches its maximum, uh, the monsters have overrun the village, which is on the game board, and the players lose. Another way that you can um, you can lose is to run out of time, as I was saying. Uh, each turn, you're going to need to draw a card from the monster deck, and that basically controls the actions of the monsters and how they move around the board and how often and uh, what kind of attack they use, etc. And if you need to draw a monster card, but your deck is empty, it's taking you too long and you lose. Hmm, okay. Now, one of my favorite parts about the game is the first player rule. The player who most recently ate garlic takes the first turn. I would always get that. <laughs> so would i my friend i have so eaten I. garlic today oh my god oh okay random aside uh i fa- I, I found this place uh this little company up here and they sell a product called that's good garlic and it is basically take like a little teeny tiny bit of margarine and a whole bunch of just raw garlic and whip it together into like a mayonnaise consistency Ooh, interesting yeah 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 it's it's you, you eat it and you just burn Oh, I cut a bunch of fresh garlic up on Saturday that I made. I made uh, something new. Uh, I whipped up some sriracha honey chicken. Mm, again, you talked about sriracha chicken last time too. No, but this time I, I combined. I made it a sweet and sour. Ah, there you go. There you go. You should get an air fryer. Throw throw some garlic in the air fryer. Ooh, it's so good. Anyway, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'd still win. I've had. To, I've literally had garlic today. I stink up the whole house cooking it, too. It was great. I have to die. I put garlic in my hamburger that I cooked. I made fresh burgers today. 
Oh, took the ramen. See, you get you get you get the time bonus. You get the time bonus because you're two hours ahead of me. So you've had dinner. I haven't had dinner yet. So you'd you'd win. You'd win. That's not fair. Ta-da. Anyway, go on. Sorry, sorry. All right. So let's talk a little bit about how the game is set up because that's going to directly turn um, uh, dictate how we discuss how turns work. So. On the board, there's a big village, and the village has a variety of different locations, and those locations are, are going to be very important in just a moment. Now, you populate the village with uh, a bunch of different things. First of all, there are random villagers that will come up during the game, and when they populate onto the board, uh, you are going to need to manage them. Uh, that, that, that's one of the actions w- that we'll discuss, because you are trying to keep them away from the monsters who will be cruising around and trying to eat them. Uh, there's a couple decks of cards. There's a monster deck and a perk deck. The perk deck gives you some bonuses. One, uh, most of them are one time per game bonuses. And then the monster deck is basically controlling the AI of the monsters. Whatever monsters you choose, you're going to take out their specific monster card. And those will go over not only the powers that they have and the, the things that they do when they are activated, but also how to defeat them. And then everybody's going to choose a hero and those heroes all have badges which you will take and uh, a specific deck of cards that you construct and every hero has a specific number of actions that they can take uh, most of them are three or four and then there's a special action that they all o- they are the only one that has access to that now there are more heroes than you have players in the game which is great because again that gives you variety which gives you a lot of um, return play yeah, yeah, I like that. All the heroes have a specific starting location, and that's one of the locations on the map. And one of the things that you'll instantly see on the map is that all of the locations are connected by by paths, including a giant river that runs through the center of the village. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Which also has a path on it. Right. And that path is the exclusive, uh, for the ex- exclusive use of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I like it. Uh, on your turn... Your turn has two phases. Uh, first is the hero phase, where you choose actions, and then second is the monster phase. So the actions that you have are, you can move. That's you walking along one of the lit paths to an adjacent space. When you do that, you have the option of taking villagers with you, and that's one of the ways that you move them around. You can do what's called a guide action, which is where you move a villager from your space to an adjacent space or move a villager from an adjacent space to your space. You're not actually doing the moving. You're just chewing the, uh, the villagers along. Um, when you're doing movement and villager moves, by the way, the monster being on the board does not affect their movement. Monsters will behave a little bit differently in this game. Uh, you have the option of activating your special action. Some of the heroes do have those special actions. For instance, the explorer has a special action to place your hero in any non-water space. And that's, a, that's very powerful because that explorer can move around the map like crazy. You can pick up items. You can share items in between players sharing a space. You can uh, advance, which uh, if you happen to be at a location and you have the items that you need, you've collected the items that you need to advance a monster's uh, track, uh, like I was saying, every monster has a card that comes out, and it has the track for how you're going to track uh, killing it, or, or defeating it, I should say. And uh, if you have all those things accomplished, you also have the option of defeating the monster. Uh, the items are little tokens that go down, and they each have a number at the top, which has a strength. They each have a color, which is a type, and then they have a name. And these will get scattered around based on the cards that you draw out of the deck. 
And as the items get scattered around the village, uh, they all get placed in random locations, uh, which are dictated by the cards. And as they go down, you're going to be scurrying around and trying to get these combinations of items uh, with the proper amount of strength, because that is how you're going to trigger endgame stuff. So, for instance, Dracula has four crypts, uh, four coffins inside of crypts that are scattered around the village, and you need to discard any number of red items with a total strength of six or more. So you would be running around the map trying to get red items uh, and getting those numbers at the top to total six or more, and that's how you would smash one of the coffins as long as you were in the space with that coffin. And that's where the co-op really comes into play. So set collection uh, to meet the needs of a monster and then using all those needs to defeat the monster. It seems very basic, but the way they've got everything laid out, there's so much variety uh, that co-op becomes a, 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 the big puzzle. How are you going to do it? Because you have such a limited amount of time to do it. You have to discuss things and you have to have really, really, really good economy of action. Hmm. Interesting. Now, next, you're going to get the monster phase. And in the monster phase, you're going to draw a card from the monster deck. And it's going to have a couple different things. First, it's going to have a number of items listed at the top. Uh, you're going to draw those items randomly out of a bag that the game comes with. And you're going to play place each of those items into the location that's indicated on the item. That's how they get randomly distributed during the game. Uh, if you need to draw an item when the item bag is empty, you actually can take all of your items from the discard pile and pile them back into the bag. Now... Uh, next thing you'll see on the, on the monster card is an event. And those events uh, can be a couple different things. So it's either going to involve the monsters or the villagers. And the card has a, a bunch of symbology and colors that will kind of help you to figure out specifically what's going on. For instance, there might be an event that says place uh, a specific villager at a specific place. So it could say place Renfield at the docks. So you would then take the, the Renfield cardboard cutout and place them at the docks. And that's how the villagers get introduced into the game. Then at the bottom, there is what's called the monster strike section. And it shows you a couple different symbols. Those symbols correspond to what monsters are being activated, which means since you aren't going to have all the monsters out at once, uh, you are not necessarily going to activate every monster every turn. It will give you uh, then some symbology and numbers that indicate the number of spaces that the monster is going to move, followed by how many attack dice it is going to chuck at you. And you then figure out how strong their attack is, and you have an opportunity as the, uh, if you happen to be sharing a space with the monster after they're done moving, to defend the attack, and you do that by burning items. Again, putting going right back into the, the, the puzzle of, you know, am I keeping stuff or am I getting rid of stuff, and how can we get all these sets collected as quickly as possible? Makes sense. Sorry, I'm, I'm staring at this board. It's got some good art on it. I like it. Oh, the art in this game is amazing. It is gorgeous. Yeah. So, how do you win, you're probably thinking? Well, if you defeat all the monsters, the game immediately ends, and you've won. Well, huzzah. Beyond that, there's a bunch of different ways that you can lose. Uh, as we said, that you if you, you let the terror level reach its maximum, and the terror goes up when villagers or players are attacked, um, then you're going to uh, lose. And if you run out of time by burning that deck up, then you lose as well. And I gotta tell you, Having played this about seven or eight times now, we have not had a game where it didn't come right down to the wire on time. It is exquisitely balanced in that respect. So I'm, I'm looking at this picture, and there's dice with custom stuff on it. How do those work? 
there's a couple different symbols on the dice. Uh, when you roll them, if an exclamation point is rolled, for instance, then the monster's power is activated, uh, and you get to activate it once per power symbol rolled. And you'll have to refer to the specific monster's mat to determine what that power symbol does for that monster. Now, if you roll the explosion, that means that it was just a simple hit from the monster's attack. One, you know, one, one hit per symbol. Oh, okay. And there's some blank sides as well. So it's possible that the monster does not attack you. I'm sorry, what's the exclamation point do again? It, it activates the monster's uh, power. Uh, okay, so and the smacks are instance, hits. Okay. Since okay. we've been using Dracula as, a, uh, as an example, his power is the dark charm. If the power symbol is rolled when Dracula attacks, Dracula charms a hero to come to him. Place the current player's hero in Dracula's space. If that hero is already in Dracula's space, the power has no effect. <laughs> he gives you the whammy. I like it. Yep. Okay, so yeah, you're just you're collecting stuff to to defeat the monster in whatever fashion you defeat the monster. Yeah, from from a gameplay perspective, there's not a lot going on here, which is not to say that this game is simple because there is a lot of strategy to be had in trying to accomplish these simple goals. What are, what are you collecting for the Wolfman just out of curiosity? Cuz I see these jars the heroes must discover the cure for lycanthropy by testing ingredients and formulating an antidote. While at the laboratory, a hero may take the advanced action to test an ingredient. There you so go. Those are the ingredients for the antidote. The wolfbane and whatnot. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. If you defeat him, you actually cure him. Ah, that's cute. Well, since you're there, uh, tell me how, about this rulebook, Jonathan. The rulebook's fantastic. It's very, very intelligently laid out. It goes over all of the different, um, it basically, it overviews play, overviews the board, and then breaks it down into individual phases, and then gives you a breakdown on each individual uh, monster to let you know how it all is going to come together and work. Okay. Is there an index, uh, glossary? No, no index, uh, no glossary, but it's also only 14 pages long, so there's not a whole lot to go through. Okay. And uh, they make a big deal about these miniatures, uh, <laughs> in the copy how are the miniatures and the other stuff they're adorable so the villagers are all cardboard cutouts and they have little plastic stands for them and the heroes get a plastic stand with a cardboard cutout as well the monsters however get full-on plastic minis and they are just so much fun they're just really neat uh there's some cool little poses Uh, it's the classic movie monsters which is always fun and everything looks cool they are by no stretch of the imagination the best minis on the market we're not talking seamon grade here but also this game re- retails for a ridiculously low price considering how much gameplay you get in that box. So when you're playing this game, was there anything off about it or was it not at all? I have had nothing but fun in every play that we've done. It's always been down to the wire and super, super fun. It's 35 bucks and you get easily $60 a game here. It is so neat. I mean, this is a Prospero Hall game, and they, they have been on an absolute tear. Everything they've touched recently has just been golden. Jaws was great. This is great. The um, the uh, Bob Ross games are great. I mean, it's just so good. Yeah, I'm really I'm sorry. I'm just I keep staring at this board. I like it. You'd really like this game. Le- legitimately. Yeah, yeah. Well, hunting monsters you, you, is my jam. I know you don't have a ton of gaming budget. I would say that you would be well put placed uh, putting the 35 bucks into this. Yeah, well... Again, hunting monsters is my jam. All right, so is there anything that needs to be said about this game? One last thing? Yeah. Pause the podcast, drive over to Target, buy the game, and then let's chat about it online. 
Is this a Target exclusive? It's that simple. Uh, it was for a for a time. I don't know if it still is. Huh. Look at you, Target. I, I, I think, let's see here. It looks like online, it looks like it's expanded to Barnes & Noble and Amazon. So it looks like whatever exclusivity was there is done now. Amazon has a fantastic image where you can actually get a really good look at the minis. And they're, they're, they're really cool. You, you have to understand, these are not like super dynamic minis like you'd see in a CMON game. These are the, the classic poses that you have come to expect from these monsters. Don't apologize for the minis. They look cute. I think they look amazing. I but, like you know, I like the, the paint job someone did on Board Game Geek where they painted them in black and white. That's very creative. That's very clever. I mean, honestly, Robert, there's, there's, there's nothing more I can say about the game in terms of complexity. Uh, all I can say is that it is blissfully well designed in terms of both being streamlined and easily accessible with having some depth and some meat that you would not expect. And every single play has been down to the wire in terms of time, which means that it has been relentlessly tested and very, very well balanced. I'm just, I'm so madly in love with this game. Well, I also like the notion that you can up the difficulty because it, it kind of made me think of pandemic, you know, like moving around the board oh, and these guys are cool. The little black and white guys are cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it must have taken them forever to get the shades right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I mean, just your description kind of made me think of pandemic because, and and the fact that you can basically add more epidemic cards in the form of new monsters to kill. That's that's clever. I am hoping that this game has long, long legs, and this is horrified, and it's from Ravensburger, and it's available everywhere now, and it is especially if you're a fan of the classic movie monsters. Truly a fun, simple, essential game that I cannot recommend highly enough, especially in October. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Robert, I can't believe it. We are soon going to be starting the the countdown of our, our, ne- our next year, and it'll be the countdown to 100. Can you believe we've gotten this close? Uh, I hadn't thought that about that. Yeah, I, I realized <laughs> when we started recording 72, I was thinking to myself, wow, in only three episodes, we'll be counting down to our uh, 100th episode in, in in a year. Yeah, sooner than that. Can you believe that? It's been three years. Oh, man, so much has happened in the three years. I know, right? It's so it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, so much. Moving across several states will do that to you. I, wow, just I, I ended it. Should have saved that for my final thought. Good mic drop. <laughs> Once again, join us for all of our on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you and interact with you. And as always, there's only one last thing, one last thing that we need to address, and that is Robert. Any final thoughts? Uh, I forgot to mention this. Uh, we 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 kind of finally fired up that game of Microscope again after many starts and stops. So that's fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Over on over on the uh, over on the Forgot My Dice Facebook page which you can watch that progress in action, if you wish, as we talk about it there. So, yeah, go join us on our digital domains. Eh? 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 Yeah, there you go. And I'm spent. Let's, let's close her out so I can go get dinner. <laughs> well, that leaves only one last thing to do, and that is to say, Robert, be excellent to one another, and party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. 
Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you, 